You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode two of the Tracking the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon Stanley, joined as always by Matt, aka Kane's Prospects on Twitter, and Alex, Mr. Future Kane's himself. Uh, plenty to talk about this week. The Chicago Wolves started their season, and with all the recent top picks currently on the roster, you guys know we're going to spend a lot of time right there. We got some really good questions on Twitter this week. And of course, we had four games since we last met, so probably the logical place to start, especially with Alex Nadelkovich getting a call. Personally, I actually thought he played pretty well. Um, maybe he was a tad eager on the breakaways, but none of the three goals were his fault. You know, a lot of times you hear when talking about goalies and breakaways and shootouts, you want to wait for the shooter to make the first move and be patient in your crease. And you know, that's where I think that eagerness to make his mark kind of played in, you know what I mean? He really bit on both Atkinson and uh, Jack Roslovic's goals. And, and like I said, I just think that's something that he needs the reps to get comfortable. And that's not something the Hurricanes have provided him with. You know, he, they haven't really given him that vote of confidence to get those. But overall, again, I thought he played pretty well. And I think he deserves another start. I think he would do a lot better if he got an actual run of games for a little while. His rebound control was really good. The putt playing was as advertised. And, he gave the Canes a chance to win, in my opinion. I'm right there with you, uh, Brandon. I mean, on the first goal, fluke deflection, you can't fault him on that. No goalie in the league is saving that. just happens. Part of the game. Tries to settle in a little. Does pretty well up until the second. You don't give away, but, I mean, you get given away. A penalty shot against Cam Atkinson, one of the better snipers in hockey. That, it was a strange call. You, you know, <laughs> like... You know, expecting Ned to too. save it. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, the dude destroys the Canes. <laughs> a save a save would have been nice, but, I mean, you're not going to fault him for that. And then Brett Pesci gets worked. Ryan Dezingle gets worked. And um, you're not really expecting Ned to make that save either. Great move by Roslovic. And, yeah, and I mean, not that's going to be... on you right there, but can we just talk about that little play for one second? That's going <laughs> to be not a gonna play... <laughs> Pesci and Dezingle both looked like they were staring, standing there just like, you're, you're going to body him, right? You're, you're going to body him. No, no you, you, you got him, right? And they both just listlessly wave at the puck, get walked. Uh, come on. Uh, anyway. Yeah, it's the patented Matador defense where it's just like, ole! <laughs> and Brutal. both players just get walked. And, and it sucks because that's going to be the play that's going to be on every single Columbus oh, yeah. highlight reel for years. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, and Ned Olsen is here. never living that down. 
Um, and it, and it sucks because he had a decent game. I mean, for for any goalie, you want that to be their best game in eleven months. You know, like for his first game in eleven months, I'd say that's pretty solid. Yeah, Rod did seem somewhat happy with his performance in the post game. Um, didn't talk too much about it really, but I mean. At the same time, there's not a whole lot to glean from it because it was like he, I think he faced 22 shots and the goals were either fluky or breakaways. And other than that, did he really have to make any tough stops? Like he swallowed everything up and he was something I mentioned earlier was his rebound control was very, very good all night long. Something Rhymer's really struggled with lately. Everything that came into him, swallowed up, didn't give up a rebound, controlled yeah. the corner. He was really good with that. So he did a good job slowing the game down and taking care of what he needed to, and then he was asked to do a lot more than that, and that's where the struggles came in. I, w- I would say he made the saves that you'd expect him to make, but he didn't really make any of the ones that, you know, you just kind of need a save from your goalie. Right. To but the try and bail is, your though, team like, out. The thing is, is, like, we haven't gotten that from Reimer lately at all. Mm-mm. We've um, We've been trying – the past couple of games um it really looks like the canes have been playing like they did when scott darling was here they were playing like they couldn't get a save from their goalie they're playing like they didn't trust him and again like reimer hasn't been terrible but he hasn't been good and that's that's my biggest concern right now is if rod brindamore doesn't trust ned He's going to keep giving Reimer these starts. And if the team doesn't trust Reimer to make the save, it's just then can the team really win any games? It's because yeah. we saw in, in the Columbus game, the Canes barely won because they didn't get a save from their goalie and they played like they weren't going to get a save from their goalie. And the Canes offense is good enough to win them games without their goaltending you know, with if their goaltending has a bad night, the Canes can win games thanks to their offense. But at the same time, we talked about this last week. You know, we you need your goalie to be the most consistent player. And right now, Reimer is not. You don't know what Reimer you're getting. You don't know if you're getting Toronto Maple Leafs good backup James Reimer. You don't know if you're getting 2019, 2020 James Reimer. And you don't know if you're getting Toronto Maple Leaf starter James Reimer, which was a a thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, I tweeted out the other night after one of Reimer's subpar games. I said, if Peter Morozik had that identical performance, the fans would be all over him for it. Right. But, you know, they were make, kind of making excuses for Reimer, just saying, you know, the defense wasn't good or, you know, just kind of kind of trying to you know, sweep it under the rug that he wasn't good. And I, I'm not sure what it is about Mirazik that, you know, the fan base kind of gives him a hard, harder time. I'm not sure if it's the expectation level or what exactly it is with Mirazik, but I feel like if he had that similar performance, maybe each of the last two games, you can go as far back as the last four. I think Mirazik would have been, you know, there would have been a lot more heat going his way. And I, I don't know where you guys stand on that, but... I think it's kind of unfair that, you know, it seems like Reimer kind of gets a pass a lot more often than Morozik does when he doesn't play well. Yeah. 
I, I agree, and I think it's just kind of what happens when you're the team's starting goalie. You know, it's like you're going to have – I mean, Mrazek is the starter, let's be honest. Yeah, and pretty much what I was going to say. Canes fans with starting goalies in the past especially, we've just been very critical towards them. And, I mean, Mrazek's not great. He's a pretty average goaltender, I'd say. Middle of the pack for sure. It's- but given given the quality of shots that he faces, he's more likely to make the stop than a guy like Reimer is, just because he's just such a purely athletic goalie. Absolutely, and, and, and that's very much in that mold too, which is another reason I just feel like if he got his confidence up and like could have a controlled chaos to his game instead of just being kind of he's kind of frantic right now. You know what I mean? That's, that's you have to give him. Looked, you have to give calm him calm last night. I mean, he did, but it, it, there's also times when like the puck would come off the inboards and he just seemed kind of jumpy. Again with the breakaways, it's like he he bites so hard on that first move because he wants to get over and get in position to make the save, and then they're just head faking and going back the other direction and tucking it into an empty net. Yeah, it's like I'm willing to give him some grace on that because I mean this was his first NHL game in 11 months not even just an nhl game this is his first game in 11 months and without a preseason you don't get that time to warm up yeah that's a, that's a good point with being on the taxi squad you don't get that game action that you know players and like like antoine bebo got yeah. uh, for instance so like it, it it's a tough um scenario i think ned has earned another couple of starts for sure and i mean with Mrazek being out indefinitely he's gonna get it but i mean my dude's pretty much gonna have to have you know like back-to-back shutouts to even get rod brenda more to loosen the leash a little bit um and that might not be fair to ned and i mean judging from some of his comments i can't tell if it sounds like he wants a better opportunity and a bigger opportunity and you can't blame the guy. I mean, Alex, you were right. Like what is there left for him to prove? He's already won a Calder cup. You know, he was AHL goalie of the year. Like what, what more is there? But I just, I just don't know if Rod Brendamore is going to give it to him. Yeah. I'd say that's probably fair. Well, then this begs the question. Do you think the Hurricanes circle back to a Darcy Kemper if they don't trust uh, Nadelkovic and they don't think James Reimer is going to be able to recapture the magic from last season and give them a competent 1B option? Do you guys think the Hurricanes are in a market for a goalie right now? Well, first, you've got to try and identify who's available. When you're looking at the, the market of potentials, like, yeah, Darcy Kemper stands out. I think Antiranta is a UFA. So there's definitely some options. But for me, I would more I'd be more inclined for the Hurricanes kind of to be in the market for a long-term option, especially with the lack of, you know, young prospects at that position in the organization. So if they're going to make a trade, I think it should be a hockey trade, you know. They've got a ton of assets in terms of picks, prospects, you know, young players. When you look at it from that sense, you know, Alexander Georgiev in New York is an option. Jonas Corposalo or Elvis Merz-Leakins. I'm not 100% sure the Hurricanes are going to make a move. I mean, we heard a lot of chatter in the summer and in the 
the offseason about them, you know, wanting to bring in a goalie. They stood with what they have. I don't think that's what they wanted to do. But you're here now. You've got three goalies on the roster when Mirazik is back. And to, to, to bring someone in, you're going to have to offload somebody. I'm yeah. not sure at this point if a team like Columbus, if they're competing, if they're going to want to offload a Corpus Salo or a Merzlikens or, you know, and bring in a Reimer, you're, you're kind of taking a huge dip back in terms of competitiveness when they don't have to do that right now. It's something that they could afford to do to wait till the off season. So I'm not sure the right opportunity is going to manifest itself right now for the team. I think it's something they should consider, but I think if something like that was in the cards, it probably would have been done already before the season. I I would never say never, but I'm not going to bank on it right now. You also have to keep in mind, the Canes have no cap space right now. They, they, they can't add anything without giving up salary in return. Exactly. You would so have to any move goalie, out Reimer, probably. Yeah, any goalie that you do trade for, you'd have to pick up. And just looking at the market for the offseason right now, and if I'm McCain's, this is when I'm waiting to make the move because the seven buyouts coming off the books. There's a couple other things coming off the books. Um, Frederick Anderson, he's 31. He'll be 32 at the start of next year. If you want a goalie, for, you know, the next couple of years while you wait for maybe Kachikov or, you know, it's a reach, but maybe Jack LaFontaine to, to develop into a starter, you have that as a solution. I mean, he's always been a pretty solid NHL goalie. But is, is Frederick Anderson really about the Hurricanes are going to want to go down again? <laughs> things, how things went down in 2010? Man, if they can sign him, though, it doesn't matter. Regime. It doesn't matter That's what fair. happened That's in 2010 fair. if you can sign him. Right. You know, and like he'd probably be a couple other a to get there's a couple other defense. goalies on the market, but nothing really screams like NHL starter other than Anderson. And I think the Canes are going to be in on Anderson next year or during the offseason because there's Bennington's going to get signed by St. Louis, I'm pretty sure. Um, Ranta. Yes, he's a good goalie, but he's 32, and I think he turns 33. There's a lot of injury concerns there as well. Yeah, and he'll actually turn 33 by the end of this year, so that's a no-go for me. Um, And, yeah, it's just – if you're going to go for a goalie, like you could trade, but you'd have to give up salary right now, and that's just not going to happen. So I think the Canes wait it out and then go for maybe a guy like Anderson in the offseason. As much as it pains me, a noted critic of Brock McGinn, if you will, he's been playing his best hockey as a Hurricane, at least from a points production-wise. And I mean, yes, he's playing with Aho and Svechnikov, but you can't deny, like, McGinn's looked good. I feel dirty for saying that. All right. So for me, there's two ways I look at this. Optimist in me, he's got four goals in five games. He's given them something up there. He provides energy. He's always good defensively and on the kill. But the thing is, every time he scores a goal, it seems like a minute later, he misses an empty net or does something else that makes me go back to, why the hell is he on the top line? (laughs) And and part of me wants to be like, if that was Ryan Dezingle, who is a finisher, and is being misused up there. And we actually had this conversation in a DM last night, but we're not going to get into that right this second. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
if it was Dezingle or if it was, you know, how many other players, they would have 10 goals up there right now in these in this stretch of games. But on the other side of the coin, Brock McGinn is a puck magnet. Yeah. And it's agreed. just like they wouldn't get those opportunities because he's always just in that spot that the puck's going to go to him. <laughs> and about 30% of the time, that's probably a little bit high, 10% of the time he finishes it. <laughs> and a lot of the other times it's very frustrating. But, you know, it's, it's worked for now. I, I guess I can't complain too much about it other than what I just did. And I, I'm guessing Teravine, and once he's got his legs under him again, I did think he took a pretty notable step forward yesterday, but he's certainly still not himself. I do think eventually, hopefully, we'll see some TSA in the future, but for now, McGinn's doing a fine job up there. You know, the thing for me with McGinn is that when some guys get promoted from, like, a depth role into a scoring role, they lose their identity, right? They try and be too too cute, too finesse. They lose that element that makes them so effective in their normal role. And I think with McGinn, he's played the exact same way he always plays, whether he's on the fourth line, the first line, whether he's on the penalty kill. He, he only plays the game one way. He plays hard. He's rugged right? He's tough. Mm -hmm. He doesn't back down from anybody. And, you know, he doesn't try and be something he's not. He knows he's not the most skilled guy in the world. He knows he's not going to score 40 goals in the NHL the way he did in junior. And I think that's the biggest thing for him is that he's stuck to his identity. And playing with skilled guys, you know, obviously McGinn's character and his role on the team speaks for itself, how respected he is in the room, how long he's been around. And, you know, his energy just kind of, I would say he's probably the spark plug of the group. And, you know, it's nice to see him get rewarded for it because we're not used to Brock McGinn scoring this much. No. And, you know, if he can keep it up, <laughs> then in a secondary role, getting goals from a guy like him on top of getting production, you know, from Nino Niederreiter and Vincent Trocek, which we were hopeful for, not necessarily counting on. It's not a secret why the Hurricanes have been scoring so much this year. I just hope McGinn can keep it up. For me, he is very vital to the group. Yeah, and I mean, I hate I hate to admit it. I really do, but like, because I've been, he's one of those players that's consistently just frustrated me because he has just a wicked shot. It's just not accurate at all. At all. And I, I often feel like, at least prior to this year, he was kind of killing offensive opportunities Um, or like, you know, kind of be like the patented Jordan stall, except for this year, obviously, but where it was kind of where offense went to die. And this year, it's kind of funny. It's like the reverse has happened where we're getting a good amount of our offense from guys like Jordan stall and Brock McGinn. And I guarantee you, Nobody was going to predict that. Nobody. Like Jordan Stahl post COVID has been the hardest player to stop. He's been a beast. I mean, this is even credit just like to Jordan Stahl right now. This <laughs> isn't even just dad energy. It's like, this is his sick game, but he just keeps going. And I've never seen Jordan Stahl possess 
hands as soft as he's had. And I mean, I don't know. There's a lot to like about the Canes right now. They're getting that depth scoring that they lacked. They're getting goals from Nino Niederreiter. They're still not getting goals from Ryan Dezingle, but mm, that's we'll have to put that in a box and save it for next time because that's a whole other discussion. But overall, I mean, the Canes have done well. It was a rough stretch of games. I mean, the team's still kind of getting its legs under them after, you know, the COVID breakout. But you split both series. And yes, the Columbus game, that series was an exercise in what officiating should not be. But you're an NHL player and you're an NHL team. Roll with the punches, take the cards that you're dealt, and do the best job you can. I think that the Canes are in a good place. I think that they're trending upwards. It's just going to depend. Like we said earlier, it's a lot's going to depend on the goaltending moving forward. So, yeah, I mean, that was something that I had actually pointed out pretty recently. They're getting that depth scoring. They've got star power at the top. They just need to get healthy, really. Um, Because, I mean, even Ajo hasn't really gotten going yet this year. He's got nine points, sure, but two goals in 10 games, that's – we know him better than that. It's almost like he's absorbed Brock McGinn's post syndrome. <clears throat> Something like that. But, you know, Ajo's going to go on a tear here at some point soon. I think we all feel that coming soon enough. And when it does, he's just probably going to score, what, 10 goals in 15 games or something crazy like right, that. Right, yeah. Well, uh-huh. the good thing for me, the promising thing is that, you know, you can say both Sebastian Ajo and Tavo Teravainen haven't got going yet. I don't I haven't checked Teravainen's stat line, but I don't know if he scored yet this year. He's got two assists. Two assists. Yeah, see, yeah. so your top guys haven't even showed up yet, and you're seven and three. And well, yeah, exactly. That, that was kind of the point. It's like with with Teravainen, he, him and Slavin both are, are still not themselves. And you, you have to figure those two guys, I, I don't worry about them at all in the long term. I'm, I'm really excited to see how it comes together for this team, assuming they can start to get just a little bit of injury luck and – you know, not be down so many guys. Even Martin Nietzsche's, man, he was playing so well to start yeah. the season. I mean, flying all over the place, really looked like he had taken a step forward and was going to be a primary piece of this team. Hopefully he can get back to where he was quickly upon his return and it has a really good chance to be a very dangerous team. Yeah, I mean, that Nietzsche's injury was a heartbreaker because he was playing yeah. so well. The injury I'm the most concerned about is Trocek. I'm hoping that, you know, these couple of days off help him out, that he'll be back in the lineup because the Canes haven't had somebody who's as good at putting in rebounds in years. I, I don't know how long it's been. I can't even tell you the last game that could consistently score greasy goals. I'll give you Eric Halla for about the first 10 games of his Canes tenure. He looked like he would be that guy, but I mean, we saw how that fizzled out. But Well, I was just going to say, I think that speaks to the overall general craftiness of Trocek's game. It's, and he's so good operating in tight spaces and tight windows. And I mean, he's, he's great with the puck on his stick. He's a good skater. He's, and he's just smart as hell on the offensive end. Well, and defensive end. He's just smart as hell in general. He just knows and, and that's another doing. area we – yeah, but that's another area we really haven't talked about much. Um, Vincent Trocek, he's 57% in the face-off dot. His penalty killing has been fantastic. He's, I remember um, on the first Columbus game at the end there, he should have had an empty net goal, but um, he stripped line A in the defensive zone, got the puck to stall in the middle, and then took off off the wall. And stall 
lifted a saucer pass, but the Columbus defender just did knock it out of the air and keep it from getting to Trocek. But, I mean, he's made so many little plays like that. He's made such an impact all over the ice for the Hurricanes, and I'm with you. I hope he comes back and doesn't miss a beat and that this injury isn't something that's going to linger at all. We obviously have to talk about Chicago. Um, I do also want to mention that we had we had um, a prospect, Tuka Tiexla, who was a fourth-round pick in 2019 in a stacked draft. Again, just that was a stacked draft for the Hurricanes. And Tiexla kind of flew under the radar a little bit and scored his first league of goal and had a primary assist in back-to-back games this week. That's a player that on the Elite Prospects podcast when Darren York was a guest on there. And if you don't know, Darren York is our now assistant GM at the time he was the director of amateur scouting. But anyways, he said that TXLO was one of the most underrated players in the system just because of how good he could be in the offensive zone. And so if he can get going at the legal level, of course, he's playing for Sebastian Ajo's father's team. That'd be a really exciting step for a prospect that I think has a little bit of Tevo Teravainen in his game. Yeah, I would agree. I think I've always kind of compared his game a little to Elias Lindholm. From the tape I've seen, you know, great patience, great hands. He's got good speed. He's just a very smart and crafty player offensively. You know, it's pretty obvious how quickly he outgrew the competition he was playing at. I mean, I'm pretty sure he led that league in scoring as an 18-year-old, if I'm not mistaken. So he's like that level of competition is just way too low for him at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's playing for he's getting fourth line minutes right now in a men's league for one of the best teams in the league. And at this point, I'm just hoping for growth. And I mean, in a in a season as weird as this with COVID and everything, like I'm just looking for growth in everybody. I'm not looking for somebody to stake their claim as the Canes' next top prospect because. For a lot of players, they are not getting as many opportunities as they normally would. No, I mean, I think it's a good thing for him to be in that lineup regardless. I mean, if you take a look at that Carpat roster, it's it's loaded from top to bottom, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess some guys coming back to the NHL um, now that the season's resumed has kind of opened up a few spots. I'm glad he got to take advantage of one. And, you know, I, I do see a lot of room there for growth. He's definitely a small kid. I think he's listed at like... 160 pounds or something if i'm not mistaken if that five foot that, nine that might be generous he's got a lot of skills worth developing he's a project but for a fourth round pick i mean the upside there is just fantastic yeah, yeah I mean, is also one of my like favorite under the radar prospects for the hurricanes because like you guys said i think we've talked about this a little bit before it's the hurricanes new draft strategy of instead of just taking some big kid that can skate that's going to college and trying to let him develop for multiple years, they're taking swings in the later rounds on these kids that if they do hit, they're a top half of your roster player. Cause TX's yes. skill level is phenomenal. Just ridiculous. Super just good. Ridiculous for fourth round. Super quick. Like he's got so much to like about him, but then he's got that flaw, the size thing that pushes him down draft boards. With TXL, you're getting a guy who, I have never seen a player make as many seam passes just look absolutely effortless. I mean, he could pass through four defenders and make it look like there was nobody in his way. It's a sight to behold. And that's why I think I seriously think there's Tevo Teravine in his game because he sees the ice on a totally different level. My homework for anybody listening to this podcast, go to your Twitter search bar 
and type in, just type in Tuca Tiexela. Just go to the videos tab and just watch his highlights. There was a tournament he was in with Carpats U20 team. The JCWC, so the, the Junior Club World Championships. So it's just uh, basically the top junior clubs in every country got together and had a tournament. And this was my first real like viewing of him after he was drafted by the Canes. Because I had watched him a couple times in his draft year, and that's why I became a fan. Because I was like, "Holy crap! Like this kid's good at the U twenty level." And I saw him play against you know other top competition of his age level, and I was just blown away as to how effortless he made just the game of hockey look. But it's called the JCWC. I don't remember where it is, but I'm pretty sure they kept all the highlights on YouTube, and it's all free. So that would definitely be worth checking out because, again, he just made some absolutely effortless plays, but they were unreal. Well, TXL is definitely one to watch. Of course, we have a whole lot of other prospects that we definitely want to watch right now, or a little bit closer. I was going to say a lot closer to home, but they're not in Charlotte anymore. They are now in Chicago. So, yes, the Wolves now off to a 3-0-0 start on the season. You got three top prospects there right now that are only there because of the new agreement between the AHO and the CHO, allowing players under the age of 20 to play in those leagues. Guys like Seth Jarvis are really tearing it up early down there. What have you guys seen out of him so far? So I watched um, the first two Chicago games and listened to the other one while I was at work. But... Easily one of the biggest standouts was Seth Jarvis and how comfortable he looked at the pro level at the age of 19, which is crazy because in a normal year, he'd be in the WHL right now and putting up ridiculous numbers. I mean, he's playing at a level that he wouldn't be playing in until a year and a half from now, and he's over a point per game and looking like a professional hockey player. I was talking with Alex and I haven't seen a player this good at just finding open patches of ice for himself. And better yet, Jarvis is one of the best players at not only finding that open area of ice, but doing so and not being able to get caught by the defense. He'll just slip in unnoticed. And that's how he get, he got the tap in goal assisted by Jamison Reese in Chicago's second game. That's how he got his first AHL goal. He, he just slips behind the defense completely unnoticed, and boom, all of a sudden he makes a team pay. Offensively, you just you just marvel at the, at the ability he has as a skater. He is almost nature's level fast. I did not realize he was that fast. Even in the WHL, I didn't realize he was quite that quick. I mean, this guy can stick handle in a phone booth. He can yeah. beat you with his hands. He can go through you with a deke. He can go around you with his speed. So this is a guy who's going to be very tough to contain, even for NHL defenders, especially in transition. I mean, this guy is going to be absolute an absolute nightmare for teams to contain. And, you know, playing with the Hurricanes skill guys a couple of years from now, I, I definitely like how he's looked in these first couple of games. I do think he should be tearing up the WHL this year. I would definitely have expected probably 50 goals and 100 points from him if the season wasn't cut in half. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm definitely expecting him to go back there and just absolutely dominate that league. So, And one thing I'll mention before we let Brandon just wax poetic about Jamison Reese um, is 
that in today's game and today being uh, Tuesday, February 9th, when we record this, I'm just going to pull back the curtain. Jarvis was actually playing on the PK. Um, he was getting penalty kill time and he actually just from the sounds of it was making some solid plays and being trusted with more defensive responsibility, which, I mean, this is one of the reasons why I love Ryan Morsofsky as a coach is he's going to not only help his players grow, but he's going to instill a confidence in that player. And that's, that's just a big deal for a developing player because once you know that your coach trusts you and is willing to give you that opportunities, you just want to run with it. And that's, that's going to be just the biggest difference for Jarvis is getting that confidence that maybe his WHL coaches have in him. They just might be hesitant to use him in a, a defensive role. But so Brandon, take it away. Cause I know you've been dying to talk about your boy. Well, before we get into Jameson Reese, I do want to point out just real quick that Joey Keene has three assists in three games. I've heard good things about Keene of late, his skating ability. He's got a physical edge to him. It, his skating stride does look a little bit funky when you first watch it, but he moves really well out there. He can move the puck a little bit, and three points in three games isn't a bad start. Discipline has been an issue. He's taken yeah, a lot of penalties. I mean, it, it's not like the end of the world, but eight penalty minutes in his first two games yeah. is not a good look, and I, I don't believe he had any other uh, penalties today, but it's encouraging seeing him performing this well, but I do worry that his discipline is going to get in the way of the team's success, or at least a rhythm. Well, the other two notable players down there right now are Dominic Bach and Ryan Suzuki. They both have one assist so far. Both have shown a couple flashes from what I've seen slash heard, but that's kind of more in line with probably what you expect out of these guys down there right now. It's probably going to take some time. And as you guys have mentioned, Ryan Worsasi is a great coach and a great teacher. I tweeted something about this last night, as a matter of fact. I mean, there's really, for me, nobody I'd rather have down there teaching these guys and absolutely helping them develop into NHL players. But yes, now we will move on to the main event of the night. <laughs> Jameson Reese, baby. In this corner. <laughs> <laughs> Another guy that's turned heads pretty much right away. He plays such a pro style game already. I spent about a year and a half already yelling about this on Twitter. <laughs> he sees the ice really well. He's got speed. He's got hands. He's got a sneaky good shot. He's physical. He's in your face. He plays between the dots. I mean, I just, I love his game. He scored a beautiful goal um, where he beat a defender to the outside, got to the middle and finished. And then he had another very similar one where, as we spoke about, Jarvis got his first NHL goal coming in on the weak side for the rebound. Kind of one of the bigger questions for him is sometimes his decision-making out there is questionable, and not just in terms of taking bad penalties or laying out bad hits, but sometimes he tries to do too much and uh, can get himself into trouble. But those, to me, are just maturity things, and one of the reasons I think, especially under Brendan Moore and in our system, he has a chance to develop into a very, very good NHLer. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. You know, the the puzzling thing for me is so for Chicago, Reese has been playing on the wing, on the first line wing, which is good, and Jarvis has been playing as a second line center. But for me, I view Jamison Reese as a center in the NHL in the long term. I think I view Jarvis as a winger. So that's a little bit confusing for me there. But I know like the coaching staff, I'm sure they know better than me, so they can do what they will. Um, 
As far as Jamison Reese goes, my comparable firm would probably be Vincent Trocek. I'm not sure how you guys feel about that comparison, but I mean, they're both both smaller guys, but they're they're skilled. They they don't give you anything. Um, they don't give you anything in terms of giving opposition open ice. They're in your face. Reese has some pesty qualities to him. I'm kind of hoping he can maybe evolve into the Hurricanes version of maybe a Nazem Kadri type. Maybe not quite to the line that Kadri goes to, but they've really, the Hurricanes have definitely lacked that kind of dynamic for as long as I can remember. And, you know, I'm hoping he can be a very big piece of their group. He has all the qualities you look for um, in an NHL player. He can do a little bit of everything, right? He can play on special teams. He can kill penalties for you. He can play on your first line. He can play on your fourth line. He's a guy that the Hurricanes will really benefit from having. And like I said, if he can evolve into their version of like maybe a Nazem Kadri type, you know, he'd be exactly what this team needs. Yeah. And the one thing I'll say about Jamison Reese that I, I, I can appreciate and that kind of makes me draw the comparison to Trocek a little bit is that I don't view Reese as a pure goal scorer. Yes. He's a better passer than shooter for me. He has a good shot. And yes, like he has these assets, but above all else though, Reese is a finisher. He can finish chances. Might not be with an elite shot, might not be with, you know, this crazy move, although he does have good hands. He's just, he's able to find the back of the net, whether it's through a pass, whether it's whatever, he's able to find that. That's almost as good as having a pure goal scorer or somebody like a pure playmaker, for instance, like having somebody who can just finish a chance, like, please, for the love of God, just put in that rebound type player, you know, like that's super valuable. I was kind of laughing a little bit. (laughs) Maybe Brad keeps playing McGinn up on that first line. This is like, (sighs) okay, to some degree, and I don't want to scare people by saying this, but Reese is basically like a supercharged Brock McGinn. Yeah, that's that's actually a nice comparison. He plays kind of like that in your face. Like he's a hard worker. He's physical. He can kill penalties. He can pretty much do everything. But he's got the offensive game that Rod wants Brock to have so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, I'm kidding when I say, "Oh, he's doing that to prep himself or like warm that seat for Reese or something like that." But in a way, like Reese is like my ideal. If that's what Rod is looking for to compliment Aho and Terabine or Aho and Sveshnikov, whoever, Reese is it, man. Yeah. Because I mean, having him up there to play that pesky style, getting in on the four check, retrieving pucks, and then his finishing and skill level and passing ability on top of it, that is a beauty line for me. So do you guys see Reese better suited at, like to play the wing in the NHL? Yes. I think I, I... – <sighs> I don't, See, I like him at I don't center really think it matters. he's, he's I think very he'll... responsible, 200 feet. You know, he's not a guy that is going to get – he's not he doesn't make any mistakes defensively. And, you know, he can, he can push the pace. He can move the puck. He can transition well. You know, so – and I think he's got a pretty good face-off percentage. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure he's pretty good in that area in the OHL. So, I mean, I definitely like him as a center. I, I know he can play the wing, but I just – I feel like – I feel like a guy of his caliber with his skill set is just, you know, he you could probably get the most out of him from the center ice position. 
I think sometimes we overvalue center versus wing. I, I, I said this earlier. I think sometimes we say, oh, he's, he's not going to project as well to the wing as he would at center. And ultimately, I think if the guy can play, he can play. And Reese is going to play his game no matter where he's at. I know there's some debate. Maybe he'll have the puck on his stick more or certain opportunities more in the middle of the ice than you would on the wing. But you look at guys like Tabo Teravine and you look at Martin Nietzsche this year to start, like they're still driving play from the wing. Well, mm-hmm. Teravine wasn't a good example to start this season, but in general, Teravine is a winger and he still drives play, plays his game, makes a notable impact on both ends of the ice. He's one of the best defensive wingers in the NHL. So he's got a, a couple years still probably before he's in the NHL. Um, I'm sure Wasowski is going to give him some looks in the middle at some point. I'm just kind of, I don't know. So I think the last thing that I'll say about um, the Wolves as a whole, because I mean, three games is a small sample size still. And yes, we've seen some promising things, but it's early. It's early. And Ryan Suzuki hasn't been terribly noticeable, but he's playing in a depth role. And I think he's still adjusting to that type of role. Dominic Bach has had some flashes offensively. There have been a couple plays where I've been wanting him to be a little less selfish with the puck, but overall, again, not bad. Seth Jarvis, easily the best standout. I would also say, though, Stelio Mateos is another one of those players that's going to be on the bottom six at some point just because of how much of a pain he is to play against. Mateos is a pain in the ass. In the best way possible, though, if you're the Canes. I love his game. I love, like, and obviously with all he's been through already, like, he's such an easy guy to root for on top of it. So it it really is good to see him back and produce, well, he's got at least one assist, I'm pretty sure. Yes, he assisted Um, on the fifth uh, Chicago, not Charlotte, Chicago goal today. I wonder how many times we're going to do that. But yeah, I know. I I do it so much. Even though he's not putting up a ton of points so far, I mean, one point in three games, again, like you said, it's a small sample size, so you can't really take anything away from it either way. But to see him contributing was the word I was looking for. But So I, I think it is time to move on, though. I do think we have to get to some fan questions here. And um, I got two on Twitter. Alex got a lot more than I did. I'll go first. And um, I think we should all share at least one of these here because he's asking... Who's the best prospect that had gone underrated in the Kane system? Say, I think is how you pronounce your name. Please correct me if, if I don't get it right. Brandon, I know your answer is going to be Reese. You but know maybe what? Not underrated though. Even not being like partial, the two guys that I would that would come to mind right off the top of my head, we've already talked about, and Jameson Reese and Tuba Tiaxla. That's what okay. I do. Yeah. Single time. Um, for me, I would probably say. You know, not a lot of people talk about Jesper Selgren, but he, Ooh. you know, he's been playing on a top pairing in the Swedish Elite League for the last couple of years. He does a lot well. He's not a big guy, but, you know, he moves the puck well. He doesn't give up much space defensively. He's got good angles. I think he can definitely be a third pairing guy in the NHL. And I think he's probably NHL ready right now. He could use a little seasoning. He hasn't played much on na ice but there's a lot of qualities that transition from what he's doing now into the nhl that's actually selgren was one of the people that i was i was kind of going back and forth about because i mean uh 
the year after he was drafted, so he was what twenty one. He comes into I think the he AHL. Was two years overage, yeah. Yeah, so he comes into the AHL after not playing on North American ice ever, and in the middle of a Calder Cup run, he not only earns a spot on the roster, he takes it away from an AHL veteran and becomes like a key piece in Charlotte's Calder Cup run. Yep, and that's huge. I mean, it's easy to forget about Salgren now because he hasn't played for the team and he hasn't been in our minor league system just because of the weird world we live in right now but Selgren's a good choice I would also say that one of the best prospects we have that doesn't get any attention is Dominic Fensori he's so fun and I mean this in the best way possible Fensori is going to be the most fun prospect the Canes have he's so good in the offensive zone at just taking control of a play. The things that he can do with the puck are just mesmerizing and he needs to get better. Defense is always going to be an issue because he's a smaller defenseman. Extreme. Well, that, that's he's one not just small. In. He is that's, like he's... the absolute bottom of the Yeah. If he makes it to the NHL, he will be the smallest defenseman. Yep. But I think the sort of defenseman in the NHL right now is five. Matt, foot. Matt let me ask you this: Do you think there's an opportunity, maybe, for a fencesoid to move to forward? No. no, no. And the reason why I say this is because I don't actually think that Fensori is that bad in the defensive zone, provided that he's with a partner that can be like an anchor. Like he's playing with Cade Weber right now, and they're doing just fine because Weber, I mean, has enough range in his arm length to just reach over to the other side of the ice and bat the puck away. I mean, if you're going to play a six foot seven defenseman with a five foot seven defenseman, then I guess it kind of evens things out. Yeah. But even if he had like, say, you know, like you put him with not like ideal pairing, but like Brett Pesci, for instance, yeah, I'd say a Pesci would probably yeah. be a good partner for him. You give him an anchor, but Fensori, he's going to hound the puck. He's going to make you work for anything. He does struggle on the rush and uh, analytically, uh, I think it's Mitch Brown is his name. He does a lot of tracking at the NCAA and junior level. He he had a really good graphic where basically it showed that Fensori is one of the best defensemen at creating offense in the NCAA, but he's also one of the worst at defending the rush. And so if he can figure that out and kind of get that at least reined in a little bit, this is a player that, honest to God, could be a power play quarterback for the Canes. Yeah, there's no question how special he is offensively. You know, he could skate, just his skating ability, his stick handling ability. I mean, it's it's absolutely top tier for even a forward, never mind someone who's just playing defense, right? But, I mean, that five foot 750-pound frame. <laughs> is is always going to be you know, it's, gonna it's always going to be a massive issue for him so i mean I, I agree with you that he's definitely underrated but he's definitely a project to say the least and so yeah um scott wheeler just put out his uh prospect pool rankings i'm guessing you guys have seen those haven't you yes we were ranked fifth and i pretty much agree with most of his rankings um yeah i'd say he was pretty pretty much on par but yeah, he was um, pretty bang on i'll read the beginning <laughs> of Fensori's part and he's high on him too because of everything we've mentioned here is that the skating ability and not just straight line. I mean, his edge work and his footwork. I mean, anyway, first couple sentences that Scott Wheeler said about him, 
There are four players in the NHL listed at five foot seven or smaller. That number only doubles to eight at five foot eight or smaller. And you have to go an inch further to find your first defenseman. So size is always going to be a problem, especially against bigger forwards. He's, he's going to get boxed out. He has to figure out a way to at least be serviceable in that end. Yeah. Because you can't just play him on the power player, just give him offensive zone starts. Yes, you but, can't Ryan Murphy him. Yeah, but if you're if he's if a player at that size is going to make it, he's got the special skill set in the offensive end with the skating ability to do it. He could be a Tory Krug that type down the road. I love that pick, and I love the Sovereign pick too. Sovereign does a lot of stuff really well as yeah. well. So we'll move on to the next question, the second of two questions that I received. And uh, Sean Michael Carroll asks, "Who is our favorite player between forward, defenseman, and goalie?" I'm just going to say who is our favorite player just in general um at current or ever i i don't even think i need to say it i don't i don't think i need to say yeah it. alex we know who your favorite player is we know um i'm kidding we can you can say it go ahead he wears number four on defense aaron ward yeah. oh ouch <laughs> oh no <laughs> tough Man, okay. Um. Anyways, we'll move on. Uh, Brandon, who's your favorite Canes player, either of all time or currently? You can pick it. Uh, my favorite Hurricane of all time is Eric Cole. Reason I wore twenty. Great choice. Higher hockey career. Primary Cole is like my favorite player of all time to watch, probably. Um. Current. I mean, I guess it's Sveshnikov. Like, it's got to be Sveshnikov. I, I, I tried to think of something to even possibly make me think about going with somebody else. But, yeah, it's definitely Sveshnikov. <laughs> so, I, my favorite all-time hurricane. Um, so I used to love Sammy Kapanen when I was little. Oof. And I'm not convinced that it was because, like, I liked him as a player. I just think I liked saying his name. Because <laughs> um, I was still a little too like little to understand what exactly was going on on the ice, and I just made our listeners feel old. Probably, he was so fast, dude. He was. Oh so yeah, I mean, like watching him back, like now, like watching like highlights and stuff. Like my God, was he an entertaining player to watch? Yeah, but I was um, young back then, but I that's one of the things that really does stick out to me when I think about those days. Was man, he could just fly. He was ahead of his time for sure. Mm-hmm. I would definitely say that um, one of my favorite canes, like growing up, has to have been um, was a big Eric Stahl guy. Um, but I think Justin Williams was kind of the one player that really solidified my canes fandom. And I mean, he has the memory that I'm most associate with early canes fans and scoring that empty net goal in game seven, you know. Um, my favorite current hurricane and sadly he has only played 10 games for this franchise he is currently playing in the shl but folks he is the prettiest of princes roland McEwen. i had i had to the bit i mean it was on a tee guys come on oh yeah i'll accept it i'll accept it yeah roland McEwen. i mean I'm I kidding. mean, uh, I mean, no, no. There's only one correct answer here, and it is Hayden Flurry. That does not I sound like Roland Hayden McEwen. Flurry. It's, it's kind of crazy that they were taken in the same draft, and I don't know. That's a that was a 
2014 was a weird draft. I remember McEwen being projected in the first round that year. I was I was kind of shocked when he fell to to LA. It was like pretty late in the second, right? Didn't have much offense in the game. Yeah, I mean the dude was purely a shutdown guy. Definitely. Er, but anyways, Alex got a couple questions as well, and I think the first one we'll go is Mr. Moustache. You discussed the Dougie Hamilton contract last week, and give us your personal opinions on what you think he gets. And Alex. And Brandon, I'm going to defer this to you. I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's just such a tough one Yeah, to really speculate on. I mean, with the pace he was on last year, you know, you could have basically said he'd get a blank checkbook and most teams would be okay with it. You know, this year, he's been, like, pretty good for me overall. He's back down to earth for He's, sure. That, that's like that's where, that's kind of where I'm going with this. You know, I think for me, the biggest worry I would have with Dougie Hamilton as far as committing to him long term is, you know, in five years from now, if you give him a high AAV, if you're talking around the eight or nine million dollar range, in five years from now, when he's 33. You know, how is that contract going to look? I think, I think that's a contract that might not age well. You've got so many young guys in the system. I don't think anyone who can necessarily just step in and replace Dougie Hamilton's production. But, you know, you've got guys that can maybe make up for some of it. So it's just, it's a really, really tough one for me to kind of speculate on because I see the need for him now. I'm just not sure I see the value long-term. But, you know, he's also just such a great fit for the room, such a great fit for the city, the fan base, the team. You know, so it's just, it's a really, really, really tough one to, to even get into. Yeah, I mean, there's so many factors at play. We have no idea what the market is right now. You know, it's such a weird time with COVID and so many, so yeah. much profit loss right now. And, you know, we're talking about going on a super long contract right now. A lot of times, A, you have to do that to keep a superstar player around in many cases, or else they're going to go get it from somebody else. But you only want to do that when right now is your window. And I don't think right now is the hurricane's prime window. I think it's another year or two, or it might even be a couple years more than that. When Sveshnikov is a top two or three player in the league, when Seth Jarvis can come up and be a top contributor for your team, when Jameson Reese is on the roster, you know. So that's actually... Going into another question we received from Tanner, it says through the AHL's opening weekend, which Kane's prospect has impressed the most. I mean, we've already talked about that, but he also says, who do you see making the jump to the NHL first, Reese, Jarvis, or Suzuki? And who do I see making the jump first? Who I, I see Reese playing NHL games the first out of those three because he fits the Rod Brendamore style of play. But who do I see becoming a full-time NHL player first is Jarvis, hands down, with how good he's been. Um, yes, yeah, so you got these guys on the come up, and like, you just don't know what the roster's exactly how it's going to shake out yet. Yeah, I'm hesitant. I want Dougie back. I hope he's willing to take a four or five year deal. That's where I sit on the Dougie extension, and I think there's a chance the Hurricanes let him walk. But here's the thing, right? So Doug, Dougie Hamilton will be 28 years old by the time his next contract would kick in. In June, he's 28. 
So yeah. if you're committing to him for the long term, which you're going to assume his agent is going to ask for six to eight years at probably top five defender money in this league. So you're going to be talking around maybe $9 million, give or take. So when he's 34, when he's 33, even five years from now, and you've still got two, three, two, three years left on that deal. Can you see Dougie Hamilton still producing the way he is now? I definitely can't. And that's, that's a huge barrier that's going to come up in contract talks and will probably complicate things. And in theory, that should still be within the Hurricanes prime. You know what I mean? But so much young talent that's coming up. It sh- it, it'll be in the Hurricanes prime, but will Dougie Hamilton still be in his prime yeah, at that that's point? That's, 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 the, that's the million dollar question. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why the I $9 million dollar question. <laughs> Am I yeah, right? And folks? That's why I think there's a chance he really does walk and the hurricanes let him if he's not willing to come down to a four. There, there's, uh, I think there's going to need to be a little compromise from both sides. Will it happen? Will it, if it can happen with anybody, I could probably see it being with Dougie, you know, considering the ride he's had in Boston, how things went for him in Calgary, and you know, how accepted he's been by the team, by the fan base. Know by everything that's kind of gone on since he's come to Raleigh. Well, I mean, he's also said that he he liked playing in those places. It wasn't he he doesn't have anything against those franchises in those areas. So, I mean, I think in order to really like understand Dougie, we have to realize like yes, he likes it here, but he didn't have any resentment towards other places. And so, like, I, I would just say optically, it kind of yeah. looks like things have gone better for him here. So maybe oh, maybe that's. Maybe that's just me trying to be optimistic about getting him at a better price range. But, I mean, I think there's going to have to be some compromise from both sides. So, Kane Stats asking a question as well that says, who do you think will be heading to Seattle in the expansion draft? And I I can actually kind of take an answer because I let you guys handle the Hamilton conversation. um, That I think the Canes are going to trade off a few assets and maybe a top prospect um, to Seattle in order for Seattle to take one of our more expensive contracts on defense, like a Brady Shea or like a Jake Gardner. And obviously I'm leaning a little more towards Shea, but I think Seattle is going to want to take somebody maybe like Bean and the Canes are going to say, Hey, you know, we'll give you this guy if you take Brady Shea off of our hands and, give us $5 million in cap space to work with. Cause we've seen this year, how valuable cap space is with the flat cap right now. And uh, with the cap, not expected to grow next year, we'll, we'll need that cap space. So I'm thinking the canes it's unfortunate, but I'm thinking they're going to have to spend a little bit of their draft capital, or they might have to reach into the pipeline again. That scares me a little bit because Hey, we have no idea if Ron Francis is going to be in a helping mood towards Tom Duggan and Don Waddell and company. So, and we know there's going to be good players available, Flurry being somebody. So, in order for him to want to bite, it's going to have to entice him big time. So, who are we talking there? Like, I mean, it's not going to be Jarvis. They're not going to put Jarvis on the table, but. Ryan Suzuki. Yep. I mean, that was going to be, I was going to say it's either going to be like a Suzuki or like a Drury type. It hurts. Yeah. I mean, like that's it, a huge blow to the pipeline. And really, if you lose a top five prospect or even like a top 10 prospect in the system, it's going to suck. But the Canes also have done a really good job of drafting well in recent years. 
and that leads me to believe that they'll be okay. So who is the fix? Uh, this is a Jared's burner account. Hey, some <laughs> He says, who's the fix for the current roster and why is it Lucas Walmart? Stop. Walmart was never good. Man, yeah, no, 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 Lucas Walmart slander on this podcast, please. Please. No, there let, will be Lucas Walmart Let the legacy slander. of Lucas Walmart live on. The legacy of missing wide open nets and finishing at like below a fourth line level. <laughs> oh come on! It can't please everybody. No, 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 no. Uh, I think so, I I can hear somebody typing up a one star rating just because of that right now. Like, yeah, it's gonna be Katie. It's gonna be Katie on that one. <laughs> the fix for the team, I mean, is what it's been since you know, two thousand nine. It's a better goalie. Darcy Kemper makes this team a Stanley Cup contender to me. I mean, does this team really need a fix right now? We're seven and three. They're yeah. second place in the division. I mean, things are going pretty well. I mean, as far as a fix, I don't know if they need a fix. Could they upgrade in a couple of spots? Yeah, probably. But yeah. I mean, I, I'm pretty content with how they're sitting overall, especially if Peter Morozik is back anytime in the near future. You know, I I think they would be pretty optimistic going into the trade deadline that, you know, they probably like the group they have right now. Yeah. So the next one is from, it's from Braden Flanagan at Flan the Man 43 Way too early superlatives. So I'm just going to list off a couple for us here. Like, let's go most improved. And I think everybody's going to say Vincent Trocek. Andre Svechnikov is like another huge step. So is Marty Natchez. That's oh, true. Nice. Natchez. Nino Niederreiter is a completely different player. Jake Gardner looks incredible. I mean, yeah. I guess yeah, Trocheck um for me, maybe not maybe not most improved, but he's settled into the system now. And that's kind of led to the improvement in his production. But who's been you guys' MVP so far to start the year? Brett Pesci. Ooh. Brett Pesci, but you're not wrong. You know what? I I would have said maybe Brett Pesci until I seen seen him get walked. I mean Oh, maybe may, maybe call that recency bias, but I, I don't think the team is seven and three without Andre Svechnikov. So I would give him the MVP yeah. right now. Yeah, well, I knew you guys were going to go with Svechnikov, so well for or me, we it's could like, just say we could I'm just say the MVP torn. is Hayden Flurry, and you guys just can't dispute it because it's just facts. If the Fleury MVP is Roland McEwen. Pads, I'd be more inclined to think so. Yeah. The MVP is <laughs> Roland McEwen. Four shots in the shin pads last night. I was kind of laughing about that. I was throwing between that two minutes. Man, at least, at least he's shooting it, all right? At least he's shooting it. Yeah. Get the damn that boys. For me, I think the MVP of the team right now is Brett Pesci. And there's a Kane scout that tweeted it the other day. Um, there's not a defenseman in the league playing as good as Brett Pesci is right now. Just all around fantastic. No, he's every been fantastic, end of the ice. that's for sure. Or what's, what's some other superlatives that you guys can think of? Because I think this is kind of fun. LVP. Least valuable player? Brady Brandon, Shea? I know yours. Is it, is it Brady Shea? Brady Tell me Shea why it isn't good. Brady Shea. Oh, my God, Alex. Brady Shea has been good. He, Calm yourself over there. The answer... <laughs> the players are going to like, hear this. I'm going to feel really bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, they probably we not. We love all the Canes players. We do love all but Ryan Dezingo was making me want to pull my hair out. I'm just – this is what I told you guys last night. He's not a good fit here. He's being used in a depth role and trying to grind out shifts and win puck battles and just stuff that doesn't suit his game. He was he had his career years playing as a secondary piece on the scoring line 
finding open ice and finishing. That's what he's, that's how he plays through his strengths. And he's not being given that opportunity here. I think, yeah. I, I just, I just don't think it's a good marriage. The Canes is, I mean, it's hard to complain with a seven and three team. And I'm going to say that it's uh, kind of a caveat for where I'm going with this, but I have three players in mind here that I'm kind of toying um, with the idea of the first being Ryan Bazingle, like you said, because, and it, it's not an indictment on him necessarily. It's just the way he's, he's a been good used. player. The way it's he's been used has been frustrating me. since yeah. he came here. Yep. It's like, yes, he's scoring some goals, but if he's not scoring a goal, I don't think, I don't know if he has any assists, but it just doesn't look like he's fit with the team. And I think that that's been a really big problem this year and that we have, we've been able to get Nino Niederreiter going. We've been able to get Vincent Trocek going, but Ryan Dezingle's just kind of there right now. And he actually has four points in 10 games. So he isn't. He had a two assist game or something. it's not terrible but again i just don't know man like the second player and actually both of these players may have kind of gotten i may need to give them more of the benefit of the doubt um because they were both on the covid list but jordan martinook and warren fogel have had disappointing seasons and by disappointing i don't mean like production wise because I know Martinuk's role on the team is depth forward, fourth line, penalty kill, that kind of archetype. Fogel is like that, but up in the lineup on like the third line, typically. But both players, when they've been in the lineup, have been invisible. And when you're looking for those guys who typically bring a lot of energy when they're out on the ice and when they're they, you know, they play with that sort of grit and grind that we need. Like it just hasn't been there. And I don't know if it's the COVID diagnosis or I don't know if there's like something with that, but I just haven't noticed them. And for a team that has admittedly struggled against the more physical teams, especially in the past, like for whatever reason, you know, San Jose always gives us hell. Rangers. Yeah. The Rangers who play a more physical style, like, there's not a ton of that in this division other than Columbus, but you saw against Columbus how badly we needed those physical players to show up. And at least from my point of view, I just couldn't notice that. And that's the Canes depth is like I said last week, it's going to need to be what sets them apart in this division. And I just haven't seen enough from those guys, but I'm willing to give it some time. Obviously this is early, and we can't press the panic button because it's been a good year. We're seven and three, you know, like it's okay. Even when we've had bad games, we found a way to win. And that's what good teams do. Yeah. Um, for my LVP, I'll keep it short and sweet. And I'm with Matt on this one. You know, I love Jordan Martinuk, the person. It's just the player I can kind of do without. Most nights he's invisible. Even on the penalty kill, which is like kind of his main specialty, he's not great. And I just, you know, I think – they have younger options, cheaper options that can do easily just as good of a job that he's doing, if not better. So, Yeah. And, I mean, up until right. recently, I would have said the same about Brock McGinn. But um, McGinn's even kind of proven me wrong. All right. That segment was kind of jumbled. So just to recap, from MVP, we had Sveshnikov and Pesci. For most disappointing slash LVP, we had Ryan Dezingle, Jordan Montnook, and Warren Fogel. 
And then for most improved, we had Vincent Trocek and Martin Nietzsche. Mm-hmm. That's only three, but we are kind of crunched for time. So, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know what? It's early. The team's promising. And as always, as it has been for the past couple of years, folks, the future's bright. Yep. And I mean, speaking as somebody who's followed the prospects to pretty much a religious degree for the past few years, like, there really is no better time to be a Canes fan until we win the Stanley cup. And then that'll be a pretty good time to be a Canes fan, but you know, it's coming in a few years. I can, yeah. I mean, just this group, I just feel it. It's, it's a different group. It has a ring to it. Hayden flurry, Stanley cup champion, <laughs> Stanley cup game winning goal. Stanley Roland Cup McEwen. Finals MVP Hayden Fleury. <laughs> Jameson Reese, Conn Smythe Trophy winner. Seth Jarvis, Hart Trophy winner. <laughs> no, we, uh, we, we've got to stop. We're, we're creating unrealistic expectations for this team. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> but anyways, folks, we want to thank you so much for listening. As always, it has been a pleasure. I say as always as if we haven't done this, you know, twice. <laughs> but you know be sure to follow the podcast on twitter at tts underscore pod be sure to follow at bw stanley 26 be sure to follow future canes and be sure to follow canes prospects on twitter for pretty much daily canes and prospect related content <laughs> as always be sure to follow the podcast be sure to to leave us a five-star review or you know what don't 